Hey everybody and welcome to The Kickabout. It's another strange day for the battle in the top four. I'm your host, Chris. I'm Bruno. <laughs> and I'm Dan. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to episode number 82. And as you will hear, we've had no friend this week. Unfortunately, she is not very well, so hopefully uh, she'll be back next week. But we have finally, after weeks and months of trying to get him on the show... Shira is back with us. Oh, yeah. How are you, sir? VIP guest. Takes a lot of money to get him. It does, yeah. We've had to. (laughs) Yeah, it was lots of negotiating with his agent, um, but we finally got him here. Yeah, my my Saudi owners. (laughs) Was it just waiting for this Newcastle run to kind of keep going a bit? It was waiting till we get safe. (laughs) (laughs) I'm happy now. I'm happy to talk about it all. Bring it on. Excellent. Well, we will have a lot of Newcastle chat today, um, but before we go on to that, we'll do this. Dan the stat man. So Brighton's captain Lewis Dunk made his 166th Premier League appearance with all of them as starts. Only six outfield players have better 100% starting numbers in the history of the competition. So Lewis Dunk has never made an appearance from the bench mm-hmm. for Brighton. Wow. Jesus Christ. That's quite a stat, isn't it? Mm. Um, okay, well, um, we'll. I mean, we've not got a quiz today because Fran's not here. So, I mean, that will probably take longer than the quiz <laughs> normally just to try and guess that. So, you know, you'll know every single player. There's no like. This is Premier players. League, right? This yeah, isn't. Yeah, and there's no like who the hell is that type players. You'll know every single one. Okay. And one of them used to play for Newcastle. All right. There's got to be a goal. Well, there's got to be a goal. At least one goalkeeper in there, you would think. Surely. Just I because. literally said outfield players, but. Oh, did you? <laughs> right. Okay. Well. Edit that. Edit that. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> um, right then. Let's Good get on. Listen. <laughs> let's get on to the meat of the show. And in honour of Shira being here, we are going to yes. start with uh, with the Newcastle game where they dispatched uh, Leicester City by two goals to one. Um, and actually, if you look at the form, I think I saw a stat earlier. The since, since January. Since January, Newcastle are top of the league. Or second. Second, second behind Liverpool. Behind Liverpool. Um, now, obviously, we've had a lot of discussions on the show about, um, you know, Eddie Howe and sort of the, the money coming into the club and how it's very easy for that sort of thing to destabilise everything that's going on. Uh, but actually, in, in reality, Eddie Howe has done a really good job with, with the players that he's brought in. He's integrated them really well. And I imagine as a Newcastle fan, it must be very nice to finally have a, a bright future or what looks like a bright future. Well, I have to, you remember last time I, well, one of the first times I come on the show, I told you about, I think every other sentence was how bad I don't like Steve Bruce, essentially. <laughs> and for me, it's not just the performances on the pitch. Obviously, they're one of the most important things, but it's the whole aura of the club, like we were speaking about earlier, Shearer talking to the players like via Twitter, even the owner talking to fans on Twitter. Yeah. And you just got to have a look. Whenever we're on TV, you can see the war flag displays going on and it's just such an atmosphere back in the ground. And that's what attracted the owners and to make this project work. And like I said, we've got players who've integrated in. Bruno obviously didn't start off straight away, which I think a lot of big money players would mm. expect to do. I mean, fair play to Eddie to really Howe for that because it would have been, yeah. there would have been a lot of pressure on him bringing in a big name player like that. Champions mm. League ready player with Leon. Mm. Um, to, you know, a lot of expectation to play him straight off the bat, and he hasn't. Absolutely. He's been slow and steady, and it seems to be paying dividends right now. Like right. four goals in four games, is it, or something like that? <laughs> but like I say, you got to have a look. He wasn't going to be able to push him when Willock, Shelby, and Jolinson were playing so well, 
And they that's really, hilarious in itself, isn't it? That you got a player like Romero who can't get in front of John Joe Shelby in a converted centre midfield in Joe Linton. And that's the thing, like that's essentially Eddie Howe's management. Got taking somebody like Joe Willock, who this season, starting off under Bruce, was a shadow of his former self coming in. Shelby, you just gotta have a look back when he got sent off coming in after 10, 15 minutes on as a sub mm-hmm. earlier in the season, and Joe Linton who he still can't hit a barn door, but <laughs> he can hit everything on his way to the barn door. <laughs> so I said to have that thought to be like, like you say, Jesus Christ, he can't get in front of them at the minute. Yeah. But then to work and make obviously them work hard in training to make sure they stay ahead of him. Yeah. To then him work just as hard, if not more, to get that start. It's paid dividends. Yeah, because I mean, you could effectively he's almost like dangled a carrot, isn't he? He sort of yeah. said, "Look, you guys, I'm going to give you the chance because you've been with the club a long time. I'll give you the first first dibs, yeah. but you've got to prove to me that you are capable of performing and therefore yeah. staying in this. Because I can tell you now, Gramerich yeah. is hungry for this, yeah. and when he comes in, he's going to you know make his claim. 100%. And you may not get back in the team again. And it's it's worked really well. And the 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 way in which you play. You're playing ex- much more exciting brand of football. You're you're a better team to watch now on than where you are under Brucey, mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, it's going to be a big summer for you guys. Um, unsurprisingly, I mean, in fact, actually, the three of us sat in this room now. We are um, a journalist wet dream, all three of our clubs, <laughs> because we have, everybody well, knows us in person. Yeah. I was like, well, I mean that yeah. obviously That's some juicy gossip. But... <laughs> obviously, obviously. Um, but Man United, we know are going to have a big reshuffle just because of the number of players that are leaving and the number of players that they need to and buy. The competition will be in. Yep. Competition you'll be in. Ten Hag obviously coming in will want yep. to put his name on things, assuming he does get confirmed. Mm-hmm. Newcastle, with all the money they've got, yep. there's always going to be speculation around that. And West Ham just seemingly forever. in the Champions League. Yeah. If things go to plan, yeah, then we could be in the Champions League. I mean, that's still lots of things mm-hmm. to happen, but we're getting nearer and nearer. Yep. We need players. We Everyone knows that. So there is going to be a lot of speculation in the summer. And each one of our teams has got very key requirements of what is needed in order for that team to grow. And if it, if you get it wrong, it's going to be a very long season next year again. Mm. Um, so what what is it do you think that Newcastle will desperately need? If you had to make a shopping list of positions right now, what is it you need to continue well, the push? Before you answer that, my question is, mm. the players you signed in January, yeah. do you think <laughs> any of them are just stop gaps? Or do you think all of them will... I wonder who you're on? talking about. Yeah, I've got one in particular. <laughs> mind, but... I know exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> For me, with Chris Wood... Uh, yeah. <laughs> but for me, I think that was more of a tactical purchase on the side of Callum Wilson's been injured. Mm. And besides him and Dwight Gale, we have no recognised centre-forward. Um, so, yeah, I think it was a perfect tactical buy. Get him, make Burnley weaker. And as you can see what with what's happened, it's put them in the position we needed them to be in. Mm. Um, referring to the other ones, I think the whole point is to make the kind of work hard battle for places. Because... I think a lot of them, like you've got to look at Dan Byrne. Since he's come in, he's been an absolute... I think he's arguably been your best purchase. I think so. For the amount of money we spent on him to be that dominant, and our back four, where I was speaking to you, mm. both of you before, was our worst yeah, section. Yeah. And obviously, it's still not 100% like where it could be, mm. but Jesus Christ, it's a lot better than what it was. Mm-hmm. You've got to have a look at Emil Kraft as well, yeah. like how well he's developed but under it, Eddie Howe. Well. your captain, isn't he? And yeah. He doesn't even get in the he team. He doesn't get looking. Yeah. But to be able to keep him... Because you just got to have a look at the celebrations at the end of the with Bruno's goal. All of them 
the coaching, mm. the subs yeah. all come off off the bench, loving it. There's a real togetherness there. Yeah. Isn't there? Mm. So it's going to be hard because I think you have a look at Fabian Shire as well. He's been a lot better since they've come in. Matty Target is a great like loan signing who I can hope we can turn to a permanent buy. And like I said, Bruno just shown what he can do now. Like I said, you see a little glimpse with the goal that he did against Southampton with the back heel volley. <laughs> yeah. And every single game I think he's played in, he's primarily got first in everything, whether it's passes forward, dribbles completed, interceptions. Him and Between him and Joe Linton, like, they're the ones who are kind of doing the battle, the nitty-gritty. But he gets the nice flair as well. He's getting the goals as well. But the main area I see us improving on will be striker. So back to Dan's point then with yeah. Chris Wood. Mm-hmm. I mean, me and Dan have talked about this in, in terms of I wonder yeah. what the conversation was when Chris Wood came in because, I mean, you alluded to that there might have been a tactical element in the purchase yeah. from Newcastle because, if, if you know, effectively it makes Burnley weaker. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, we thought actually that Vegor's coming in was actually an upgrade mm. but obviously it hasn't transpired yeah. that Although way. I think they've both only scored two goals. Yeah, so. yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe it's like for like then. Mm. Um, but then but you think about those goals that he scored, Chris Wood scored the one against Southampton. Mm. Oh, yeah, points, yeah. Obviously. Plus the penalty as well that he scored to get And there's all the points. playmaking aspects of it. It's mm. not all goal I think, scoring. But I, just, I, I guess, you know, Chris Wood's, for, with the best will in the world, is not a player that's going to... He's not going to get you... He's not going to make you push for European places. No, of course not. Um, and he's probably not the sort of striker you want who's going to be able to... Uh, play a certain brand of football, perhaps that maybe Newcastle fans are expecting. When, you know, when when clubs get a lot of money, when they get an injection of money, there is yeah. this sort of perception that therefore you're now going to bring in all these flair players. Mm-hmm. You're going to yeah. play this amazing football on the deck. And with the greatest wood in the world, Chris Wood is not going to be able to do that. No, but he does not. give you a very good option B. Yeah, um, which well, Peter Crouch used to do, which Andy yeah. Carroll has done, and certain times for certain clubs. Do you think he was told you're going to be option A? Uh, you're going to be option B, not option A going forward. But there's going to be some sort of conversation, and I think a lot of them know it's a project. Mm. It's not going to be like you said, Kieran Trippier. Like you have a look at a lot of the interviews he's had. <coughs> he's alluded to right season one, stay in the Premier League. Yeah. Season two, build. Mm-hmm. Season three is where that's the kind of the end of that first section of the project, and that's yeah. probably top like get into Europe or get a trophy. So. In terms of Chris Wood, I think he's he must have had the conversation, but... He must also know as well, deep down. I'm not being funny. He's probably got a lot of money to be compensated for that yeah. as well. Yes. Yeah. And if you have a look at the squad, like I said to you, he's starting every week because the only other recognised striker is Dwight Gale. And the type of football that we're playing now, where we do want to have the option where we can go long, because I think, I think Chris Wood's won the most aerial duels oh, yeah. this calendar year. And that's not by... Luck, he's mm. doing that for a reason. And Dwight Gale, as good as he can be with finishing or being on the deck, he's not going to win those aerial duels. Mm-hmm. Whereas Callum Wilson, he might not win as many, but he's more of an opportunity to bring it down on his chest. Yeah. And that's what his aspect was, good to bring it down Lincoln, and then bring yeah. the others in. Mm. Whereas Chris Wood is literally a battering ram to yeah. head or flick on. So I think he's, he's had that Chris Wood? Is he still 20s or is he in his 30s? No, I think he's in his... I think he's, Late 20s. I think he's about 28, 29, yeah, I think. That's where I think. Probably a um, three-year contract he signed. Yeah, I think... I mean, he may also just, you know, A, the money will be 
a good persuasive um, argument in this case, but also that he may have looked at that and thought, you know what, I probably stand a better chance playing Premier League football next year with Newcastle right now than I do Burnley. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, he would have probably got a wage reduction getting relegated with yep. Burnley. There would have been some sort of clause mm. in there, yeah. or he would have been gone for less going yeah. into the championship. So, yeah, I'm guessing maybe it was a no-brainer whether he was playing or Yeah. I mean, yeah, and it might be a case of that, you know, maybe he had some kind of mental bonus in his contract with Newcastle <laughs> to, if they get to stay up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so another financial incentive, you know, it's, it's very easy just to criticise football players for, for going somewhere for money, but ultimately money is a very in, incisive or mm. um, attractive thing for everybody in all walks yeah. of life. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter just because for footballers that money is a lot higher than it is for us. Mm. And that's the thing, if you have um, looking at like the context with us and like going to a normal day-to-day job, are you willing to kind of go and stay with a company that's going to offer you less money for less work essentially yeah. or uh, or are you going to go to somewhere that's shinier and got a nice project on mm. its way coming yeah. through yeah. Well? and probably being paid more to do the same job exactly yeah. so and you go have a look there's going to be a massive overhaul with a lot of the reserve players as well because a lot of them he's not included into the playing squad i said i know isaac hayden's injured but he didn't include him he didn't include jamal lewis kieran clark's not got a shout in since he's done that Norwich sending off so there are a lot of players Dwight Gale will be this will be his last season he's, he is a championship striker though, isn't but like you said somewhere like Burnley or whatever yeah. it would be a perfect opportunity yeah. for him because so. whenever he goes to the champion he seems to score like 20 odd goals like you said you have a look at Mitrovic yeah. he is a championship striker yeah, yeah. yeah massive season for him next year because yeah. he had that good yeah. season in with Fulham the first time they got promoted yeah. second time they got promoted he just didn't do didn't it at do all he barely even played I mean yeah. he wasn't even going to get stars he wasn't a star no. so obviously he's now gone and broke records if, he, if they get up or well, they're going to get promoted again if he doesn't perform this year in the Premier League that's it he'll mm. never lose that tag of championship striker yeah. this is this 100%. is probably his last chance um, so, yeah, so but yeah going back to Chris Wood I mean obviously there, there are financial fair play things to consider here yeah. as well um, which means that Newcastle are not going to be able to go out and spend three hundred million in the summer oh, because of no. <laughs> they're not going to they're, they're not going to be allowed to. No. But as if, stupid as it sounds, though, I wouldn't want them to do that. No, because if you have a look, it um, needs to be evolution rather yeah, than revolution. It needs to it? be like a progress. What you did in January, I think, is smart. Yeah. I am and smart players. And that's what we got to do. Like I said, I'm not expecting for us to be challenging for Europe or titles next season because I said that's not the project. And you have a look at when City first got that influx of money with buying Joe, Robinho, and then... Joe, I forgot about Joe. him. <laughs> yeah, what was he for, like, 40-odd million at yeah, the time? Yeah. And that was, that was ridiculous money at the time as well. Mm. Then Craig Bellamy, Carlos Tevez, and then all of those. Like I said, there was a lot of money chucked at it for nothing to begin with. And then it had to then have that progress of going up and up. Well, I mean, they were um, they were in a bad place when they first got that money. Yeah. I know they didn't get Rubinho straight off the bat, but when they got Beef, that money... Wasn't it him that thought he was signing for United? Yeah, really? he got told he was signing for a Manchester club <laughs> and he didn't know there was a second one or something like that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, they they only we've said this before. They only survived that first season with money after they went and bought Premier League proven striker uh, players. Sorry, in James Milner, Gareth Barry. Um, that's when they suddenly recovered. Players, yeah. and, yeah. and then they realised that actually you can't just throw money at it mm. and make it stick. You have to do this a bit more smart. Like I said, I've hoped we've kind of seen that kind of template and been like, right, yeah, let's tweak it. Let's see how we can make this a bit yeah. better and kind of a bit more sensible. Like you said, all the players that we have brought in, plus a little bit of flair with Bruno. Yeah, I said. We can do that again, like say, come January, mm. maybe with a little bit more money. Plus, get rid of, I say, Deadwood is a bit harsh, but it is. I said we haven't really invested since January, since when Rafa was there. Mm. And like I said, you have a look. A lot of the players who were still with Rafa in that championship season are still there. Yeah. Mm. 
Yeah, it's going to be easily an important summer for Newcastle. But if they can get it right, I mean, there's no reason they can't, you know, make themselves. You know, what what you don't want next year is you don't want another season where you're looking over your shoulder. No. Um, you know, who knows what where the ceiling is going to be for Newcastle in the coming no. years? But ultimately, they have to get away from looking over the shoulder. They have to look up. There has to be progression. Definitely. Um. So and for Eddie Howe, it's obviously it's going to be important as well because you know if he if he can be the front runner of this project going forward, if he can oversee the progression towards those European places which I'm yeah. sure Newcastle yeah. harbour ambitions of 100%. then his own stock rises immensely just being part of that I mean he's got a lot of pressure compared to a lot of sort of managers at different clubs there mm-hmm. obviously you've got say Sean well not Sean Dutcher but <laughs> too soon dude yeah. too soon Sean say, <laughs> to say one of the managers at Watford you know they're, they're expected to stay the, the, the aim is to stay up but no one really expects someone like Watford to stay up yeah. whereas with Newcastle obviously Addy Howe has got to keep moving up that table. Like, mm-hmm. if they were to finish 14th this season and then 14th next season, I could see him getting a sack. Yeah, it's interesting, actually. I mean, mm. Let's put it to you this year. So let's say next season you don't have a season where realistically you're ever looking like you're going to get relegated. Like this season where you were down there for a long time, took yeah. you a while to kind of get going. Yeah. If next season you just have a really steady season of finished 13th, does that class as a failure or is that still progress in your eyes? because you haven't had that relegation fight. It's hard to judge, because, like I say, we were in a point where nobody stayed up at the point of Christmas where we were. Yeah. And now us to get up to 14. It's incredible. So if we can have a... I, I was talking to my old man about it, and for me, a good season for us next season would be mid-table finish. If we got top 10... That would Somewhere be, 8th to 12th. Yeah. If we got there and we were never in a point where we were looking over our shoulder and we get a good cup run, yeah, great. And then the next season, that's when, like I said, that's that third season. I think it's the all important one. And that's why they've only given Eddie Howe a two-year contract. Yeah. Is to obviously goal one, stay in the Premier League. Then the second one is right. You've got a whole season now to yeah. show us what you can do and mm. improve. And then if you do well in that second season, then we'll talk to you about going into it. So I think, like I said, the pressure's there on him, but there's obviously some managers who like the pressure and having the thought of, here's a project, this is what you've got to do. Mm. And that's where you get the good managers. Like I say, you have a look at Klopp, he's always going to have that pressure of like, right, I need to win a trophy. Otherwise, you have a look at Pep now. Let's say if Pep folds under pressure in the Premier League now, they don't win a trophy this year. That's that pressure coming back into him. Mm. Then is he going to spend another four hundred million on a defence? <laughs> Whereas Jurgen Klopp spent what, half the money, yeah. and he's still on yeah. for the quadruple. Mm. And so yeah. I, I think, me as a person, I'd rather have the pressure looking up, thinking, right, I need to perform so I can win a trophy, instead of where maybe expectation. Frank, whereas Frank Lampard at the minute, where he's got that pressure to be like, you need to stay up. Mm. Nothing else, you must stay up. Mm-hmm. I think the pressure for Pep is more the Champions League. I feel like if he doesn't win that with City, there'll always be that, yeah, he won blah, 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 Premier Leagues, but he never won the Champions League. Yeah. And there'll always be that like little thing on his yeah. shoulder. I think yeah. so, because you have a look... He, he won it with Barca, didn't he? Twice. Mm. Won it with Bayern as well. Yeah. He didn't win it with Bayern. No, he didn't. Did he not win it with Bayern? No. I don't think he did. No. I thought he'd won it every club he'd been at. Which no. Is... They, they got to the final, I think, the previous seasons. Let me, let me Google. And then he only got them to the semi-finals. Oh, really? I thought I he'd won it with them. 
Yeah, I'm sure he never won. Guardiola's last Champions League triumph came all the way back in 2010, 2011 oh. when Barcelona bested United 3 oh, 1. Cool. <laughs> Glad we looked that up. <laughs> uh, good memories, good times. <coughs> but yeah, like I said, you think that was the last time he's won the Champions League and then mm. he had a Bayern Munich team that still had all of their stars. Yeah. Now, like you say, he's gone to City and spent however much money. God, no. Yeah, Imagine, because I said, I was having a look and maybe going to place a bet that Newcastle win a European trophy before City do. <laughs> See what happens. <laughs> I would love it. I would love it. do it before United do. <laughs> Don't know what the odds would be. Not very good at that. But going back to the... Um, Original question, I think the main area for us would be a striker. Yeah. Because I think Callum mm. Wilson, as much as I love him, and I think if he was playing still with Chris Wood obviously not there... Mm. You, would, you wouldn't be in this situation. Yeah. Yeah. God knows where we'd be. He's just too injury-prone, And that's the he? problem, and he's getting on that little bit. But imagine, like you said, if you were able to bring somebody in who can play either alongside him or have Callum Wilson as your plan B. Mm. That's not a bad plan B at all. And like I said, if we can have a good cup run and let's say, like they do with the keepers, like Evan Ace, Evan yeah, Beekeeper, yeah. one does the cup competitions, yeah. one does the Premier League. And you have Callum Wilson doing the cup competitions and then God knows whoever we can get as a striker in for the Premier League, busting it open. Mm. But yeah, yeah. I, think, I think the main area would be striker, but I think all areas, because we are going to get rid of a lot of the driftwood, deadwood. So. so there might be a case of actually having to buy a lot of squad players not necessarily just going out and buying these world class first team players that everyone kind of wants you to ultimately you you may just need bodies in to always, replace those sorry, sorry, sorry. I always feel with especially a team that's building you don't want to just bring in fillers you want to bring in first teamers that then push your current first teamers yes. to the bench yeah. and then you've got a stronger bench because they used to be your first team that's what I think we need to do I think mm. Like I said, with Bruno, he's pushed the other three to make them better. Mm. So it needs to be ones who are going to want to be first-team players yeah. to help push the others to make them... Then the training sessions are going to be better because mm. they're going to be more competitive. Yeah. They're going to work harder. So maybe, like you say, get the ones who are technically or maybe financially more better than what you've got at the minute to make the whole squad stronger. Yeah. So. Yeah, um, on a look at the table now, I mean, you look at the goals scored. I mean, Newcastle are not, they're not setting the world alight, but I I wouldn't say that it's particularly a bad place to be. The goals conceded column is still an issue, but I think a lot of those 55 goals, a good chunk of those would have come earlier in the season. I can't remember the last time you got smashed, put it that way, apart from Spurs, yeah. But then we also got smashed by City 4 0. Or 4-1. But most teams get smashed by City 4-1. But like I said, if you, if you think, we've had a few of the results like that, and then we've had the odd result where we should have won, where we drew. Like yeah. I said, with Norwich, we drew. Uh, with United, arguably, we could have, we were the better team when we drew them. When we lost to Everton 1-0 in the last minute, which was the 98th minute mm-hmm. of the 15 minutes added time that we had or whatever <laughs> it was. So, like I said, there's going to be hiccups along the way, but like I said, general consensus is that it's coming up yeah excellent right okay um, let's move on we're going to um, turn our attention now to actually a lot of the, the games we're going to talk about actually have implications at both the top end and the, the bottom end of the table we're going to talk about the top four battle because it seems at the moment that no one really wants it um, every time we get into a position where um, a team looks like they're sort of set and, and gone I mean Arsenal have just gone so far off the board it's untrue they've lost four of their last five 
um, having been at one point. I mean, we even said that we thought it was it was Arsenal's to lose, yeah, and they yeah, have well yeah. and truly lost it. It would seem. Um, and then Spurs come along, and they um, sort of <laughs> struggle along and and lose at home to Brighton. I mean, I don't I don't know about you guys, but I did not see that result coming. On After the way. was their last game when they smashed Villa as well, wasn't it? Uh, it was, but then we all, we did say that that was a little bit of a smash like and grab that result. And four yeah. goals, um, yeah. So the scoreline was a little bit misrepresentative of, and then of the this actual game, game. They didn't even have a shot on target. I mean, it, it's it's incredible, isn't it? Like, mm. I, I don't. I think we should just stop making predictions now. I think well, a front um, three like that and not having a single shot on target is crazy. No, should Kulusevski have seen red? I think. I think. It's with this one where the referee was this so... This is the flailing arm, if I'm right, yeah, wasn't it? I yeah. think the referee was so lenient with quite a few of the challenges. It just got worse and built up and mm. built up. And I think, like I said, a couple of them could have seen red, personally, on both teams. And I think he's probably thought to himself, oh, I maybe should have booked maybe twice now. Yeah. I can't now just send him off. And maybe just think about the complications of it that way. But Yeah, I mean, VAR's had some odd decisions of late. Mm. Um, I mean... Thank God they go for just briefly go back to the Newcastle game. But thank God they uh, overturned the referee's decision on the one with Casper Schmeichel because if that one gets, I was in my mother-in-law's with my arms flailing. <laughs> <laughs> if, if that one, if that decision had stood and that goal had been cancelled, I mean, pack your bags and go on, everyone. That's it. That's yeah. done. I was trying to work out what they were VAR in because I thought it was. He's not got his hands on it whatsoever, oh. so I can't see how he's got control of the ball. I wonder if the referee just gave that decision because he wasn't sure. He Maybe he couldn't quite see mm. what was going on. He knew there was a coming together. He just wanted to make sure that everything was actually the okay. the defenders start complaining, then there's obviously something that's happened. Something's got to change with it, though, sure. Because <coughs> I always think I try and compare it to rugby, where they have obviously similar sort of uh, usage of the technology. And like I said, with the Bruno one, I think they had a look and they initially thought, right, he's got the ball there. Then they had a look at Dan Byrne and how he won the mm. ball to flick it on. It's like, hold on, that's not what, you, that's not what you're questioning. <laughs> yeah. You're questioning about if he's ki- yeah. the keeper or not. So for me, is it a case of we can hear what the referee's saying and maybe how they ask a question to the VAR then yeah. determines how they use the VAR. So it'd be like, right, I've got a challenge here. Has he kicked the keeper or can I give the goal? Yeah. Then it kind of narrows in, right, you're not looking for anything that could possibly go wrong. It's one incident. So, right, we've got a question here. Should I send him off for foul play or is it a booking or should I play on? Then There has been some talk about potentially trialling um, audio communications yeah. being played in stadiums referees and I don't really see a downside with it um, the, other the, than Sky having to constantly go sorry about the swearing <laughs> 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 um, because ultimately you know especially I mean for us at home we obviously can, we see in replays anyway so we can pretty much work out what it is that VAR's checking yeah. we often are privy to seeing you know the slow-mo replays of where they're drawing their lines so we, al- we already know but it's for the people at the grounds who perhaps don't see that and don't know what's yeah. going on mm. just have that little bit of communication they do it in so many other sports mm-hmm. um, they do it in cricket with the third umpire they do it in rugby they do it with American football yeah. um, any sport where that technology is being implemented they have it so it's again our football still behind the times of this are they still playing catch up with this technology yeah no I think they are and like I said they're kind of paying for it a little bit now because like I said it's all at once, this technology with the VAR. Like I said, it's a lot of complicated things. It's all these lines like, oh, are the lines too small? Are we pinpointing the right position of the heel or where it should be? Yeah. Like I said, 
everybody's kind of getting confused with the laws with it now where it shouldn't be it should just be plain mm. and simple but obviously not yeah i i still i still think there is an element that var is still the rules don't work in their current form yeah. with var they need to change the rules to work with var not the other way around they're trying to make var work with the current rules yeah and i think that's where a lot of the problems come from um so back to the game um back to, to, to antonio conte um I mean, what do you think he's thinking about this because i mean Here's a guy who's tasted a lot of success in his career. He probably thought that he'd finally cracked it with Spurs. You know, they were scoring goals. He's got Harry Kane and Son firing. He's brought in Kulisewski, who's been really, really good. You know, and then all of a sudden they turn out a bit of a stinker mm. against Brighton. I mean, he's probably like ripping his hair. Like, what, what, where's that come from? Um, is it just pressure of that top four challenge, is it? Or... It's just Spurs being Spurs. Oh, well, yeah, Spursy. <laughs> Spursy, Spursy. He's finding out what Spursy means right now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, all sort of... Well, you can even drag West Ham and United into it, can't you? You have to. Four <laughs> of them are just completely bottling it. I mean, I, I honestly, I couldn't say... I mean, West Ham, just because of the number of games that they've played, I can't see us getting top four. Um, it would be an incredible... Especially with the games we've got coming up. I mean, yeah. the games we've been dropping points in are the games that we needed to win, mm. really. Um, West Ham, right now, our best chance of Europe is actually winning the Europa League. Um, mm. I, I'm not. Do you know what? I'm not. As I said, we said before, I'm not going to turn my nose up to conference, the Europa Conference, no. because West Ham shouldn't. No. You know, no. Um, we've said before that West Ham are probably the only one of those top four, possible exception of Arsenal, because they've had a year without Europe, mm. who can look, you know, favourably upon mm. that Conference League. I think any one of those other teams that get it would probably think, oh, do we have to play in this competition? Yeah. Um, obviously, West Ham at the moment. Yeah, well, we'll talk about them in a bit, but. Man, Man United, I mean, how is it that they're still only three points off of the fourth place? There is still a very real prospect here that despite how fucking awful United have been for so long, are still going to get Champions League football. We won't get Champions League. I mean, for one, we've got Liverpool on Tuesday. Um, and like even that win against Norwich, like, I won't go into it too much now, but we were still crap. And even um, Ranić. They sort of said, you know, do you, do you still feel you can get top four? And he was pretty much like, no. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, if we play like this against Liverpool and Arsenal, we'll get our asses kicked. I mean, yeah. you can say it quite in those words. But... Yeah. I mean, Arsenal still got a game in hand. If Arsenal win their game in hand, they'll they'll go level on points with Spurs. Who, um, who is their game in hand over? They're playing midweek, aren't they, I think? Who's that? Um, Arsenal. 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 Uh, it, it, oh, it's Chelsea. <laughs> That's going to be a very interesting then game. Then they've got you afterwards. Who hey, Arsenal? Yeah. Yes. Um, and that's the thing, like that game in hand. Mm. Like I said, re- realistically, Chelsea be Arsenal. You would think so. Then, but with them, I feel like Chelsea are home and dry at third. At one point, I felt like they were. I mean, if they got two games in hand on Spurs behind them, if they were to suddenly lose both of those. Maybe not so much, but they probably if they win one of them, they probably are. Yeah. When's the FA Cup? Is that right at the end? It's normally after the season finishes, isn't it? Oh, the FA okay. Cup. So there won't be any like rotation risks. And they're out of the Champions, and they're out of the Champions yeah. League now, so uh, that yeah, probably okay. helps them a little Maybe bit. Chelsea will go for that game. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, the only thing that potentially uh, well, you alluding to the fact that they've got nothing to play for. Yeah, just a bit drive. like obviously Leicester sort of almost rotated their entire eleven. Yeah, uh, like when I was saying, I put Madison in my team and then he started on the bench and. Which fucking West Ham would do that? Yeah, <laughs> but I said, yeah, this players. Yeah. Well, we have. This is, <laughs> don't get me started, Shira. But this stage in the season, obviously, like the mid-table teams start to rotate and experiment and yeah. stuff like that, and it's difficult to predict 
games. Are we saying, I mean, you know, we've not really spoken about Wolves in this top four battle at all mm. because they've had a couple of iffy results. I mean, they've won, of their last six, they've won three, lost three. So again, very, very up and down, very inconsistent. But they're still only three points. I mean, if they win their game in hand, um, I mean, if they were to win it by enough goals, they would actually go above West Ham into seventh. Mm. So they're still in the mix for this for this uh, Europa League um, and, and, and European It's just push. funny, you look at fourth to eighth and look at all those red lines like <laughs> yeah um i mean the, compared the, to the top three brentford are in better form palace are in better form uh leeds are in better form you know but the strange thing i find with that is that from let's say newcastle if we win our next game and results go away we can go ninth yeah mm. it's i mean you'd have to <laughs> you'd probably have to win by about 15 goals but strange things have happened have they <laughs> who are you playing next if you're playing Norwich then yeah I'd agree <laughs> you've got a really horrible run I think, I think, I think we you've have got Watford we've got Palace I'm Nor- pretty sure you've got what- we've got oh. Palace Norwich yeah. and I'm pretty sure it's Chelsea. Palace Norwich Liverpool there yeah there's Man the City Arsenal Burnley yeah I, I would I say at the minute I said with Palace being deflated with how the FA Cup's gone yeah you could arguably say we could get that Norwich mm. you'd hope we'd beat that so that's six points yeah Liverpool will smash them uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, like I said and then Arsenal iffy at the minute and then Man City will get smashed by them quite easily so like I said who knows but like I said that's me just tooting our own but even those, minute, those but, first six points like you're home yeah. and dry after that aren't you? but that's the thing but what I'm alluding to is that there's still a little bit playing in it, but I think Wolves have massively overachieved this season, personally. Yeah. And I said, you have a look at the game against us, I don't think they had a shot on target until the 80th minute. They've been very um, efficient, Wolves, this year, haven't they? Um, But you can't keep, you know, if you look at their goals scored and goals against... They can't. You can't keep that up. That's no. not. That's not a formula for long-term success. No, exactly. Um, so something's going to have to change, or something's going to have to give there. Whether yeah. they improve or go backwards, I can't see them replicating that next season. No, not at all. Have they scored the least amount, other than the sort of bottom three. So they've got the fifth lowest in the league. Fifth lowest. Mm. Norwich, Burnley, Brighton, and Watford have scored less. Brighton, see Brighton. I mean, Brighton have only scored four goals left. And I think Brighton have only scored two calendar goals. Two year yeah. goals this kind of the year. Is that again? Their goal goal three or whatever. Goal, goal of the month competition's rubbish. It was <laughs> 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 just a quick five second video. Goal of the month competition. Probably got some Thanks training for watching. goals as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder their social media. We'll find out how good their social media team is. Have a bit of fun with that one. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just, uh, I don't really know what to make. I of think Tottenham will still get. Do you top think four. they'll still get it? Yeah, I think it'll be them. What do you think, Shira? Do you think it's still Spurs? I think. I think they've got the kind of fixture list as well. It's tough, isn't it? Because there, there was a point where Tottenham had all of those games in hand and it was theirs to lose. Yeah. Then they fudged that up. Then, like you say, then it was Arsenal's to lose. Now they fudged that up. Like we've been saying, nobody wants it. But I would, uh, I think it's a toss-up between Spurs and United. Mm. I think Arsenal have got to that point it now. It feels where like Arsenal just run out of Those I, injuries they've got as well, I think, yeah. really damaged them. And that's what I think is going to... Yeah, then, like you say, maybe come down to who's got the kind of mm. uh, fixture, fixtures ahead. In fact, they're playing Xhaka at left back, is, <laughs> and they've got Tavares. Like, yeah, I mean, that's penny, a bit penny of a kick for, in the face. Penny for it? his thoughts, yeah. <laughs> so, let's just take a quick look at the, uh, the the fixtures then remaining in the, in the league for those three sides just mentioned. Um, Brentford next for Spurs, then they've got Leicester, Liverpool, Arsenal, Burnley, and Norwich. Mixed bag there. So a little bit of a mixed bag, yeah. You there's, there's... then there's teams of like in and amongst where they are. Like I said the Tottenham Arsenal game 
the London derby would be huge, I mm. feel. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily, I don't know. I mean, we'd have to wait and see, but it'd be interesting, you know, what the implications of that are. You know, mm. where are the two teams in the at league that at that point? Yeah. Um, Leicester is still in Europe and seems to be favouring that. Yeah, Leicester, yeah, very much doing what West Ham are doing at the moment mm. with the Europa Conference League uh, stuff. Brentford are one of the teams in form. Of the yeah. Brentford, well. yeah, probably the former team Erickson, in the league. Back yeah. at Spurs. Yeah, um, he may have a bit of a point to prove. Maybe yeah. I don't know if he's looking if he's angling for a move somewhere next year. Liverpool's always going to be tough to fighting for the fighting for the league. But then Burnley, Norwich well. at the end of the season, those yeah. two could already be gone at that point. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, Norwich so will Norwich will be. Yeah, but hopefully I mean, Burnley beat them and then they can go up and Everton can go. I would down. love to see Everton go. Down. <laughs> I reckon that's why West Ham lost to... Um, that's why I, I, <laughs> yeah. I was like, do you reckon David Moyes is feeling a bit bitter and wants them to go down? <laughs> I said either that or Weghorst is in his FPL team. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's Spurs. So yeah, a little bit of a mixed bag, but not, you know, I think... Doable. Doable, yeah, doable to get points out of that. Uh, United, I mean, their next three is <laughs> astonishing. Mm. Liverpool, Arsenal and Chelsea, their next three. You still think we're uh, <laughs> a shout? And then they finish with Brentford, Brighton and Palace. Um, now obviously mid, uh, mid table club by then <laughs> well I mean the thing is if, if if results don't go your way let's just say for argument say you lose those next three mm-hmm. if results don't go your way then your Champions League is done even before you get mm. to those final three struggled to finish um, you know, European spot I think if we lose those three yeah I, I mean would, how would it feel United playing in the Europa Conference I've already said to Chris I'd, I'd rather finish 8th than 7th <sighs> The last levels, that isn't it? That is between. between like you said, what you rewind the tape ten minutes ago. You <laughs> West Ham, we'd love to be in the conference. It'd be fine. We'd hate that. It's bad enough being in the Europa League, let alone the fucking. You won it! Wow! Wow! You, so you, you, you genuinely, the Europa League is beneath you. It's beneath Manchester United. It is like you. You were saying earlier before the podcast started about how much you hated Ty from bloody Arsenal fans and big wet areas. You're turning into it now. <laughs> I'm not we're we're beneath the Europa League. League. We don't need yeah. that. We should be Champions no. League every Play year. Play the under-12s. Get knocked out. Let's just know. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. That's... That's poor from you, Dan. <laughs> Conference League, I can accept and I can understand, but Europa League, I think... I oh, think... I'd take Europa League this season because of how crap we are. But... No, you've said how bad it is now. You can't have <laughs> yeah, it. You can't shit on it. Go finish on eighth. It is a, like... Eight. You look at the teams in it, you've got, like... Well, not like Frankfurt and Leon and Rangers are fighting for the and trophy. Leicester. That's the conference. conference. I'm about, yeah, conference. exactly. I'm talking yeah. about the Europa League. <laughs> <laughs> then conference. There's still, you know, you've got Marseille in there, PSV. It was some European pedigree amongst those teams. Mm. I know when, when did Marseille last win a French league? Fucking, there's no pleasing some people, is there? Even PSV can't, and they're in a division with two teams there. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I do get it to a point that ultimately, you know, a club like Manchester United, with the history they've got, they want to be playing at the top of the look, top I'm not level. shitting I get, on it as I get a competition, that. like, for. Like, if I was a West Ham supporter, I'd be over the moon that you're nearly in the final. Because it's not beneath the West Ham. <laughs> <laughs> Levels, Chris. Yeah. Levels. I just, I don't want United to start dropping their levels and being Standards. like, oh, yeah, you know, a semi-final in the FA Cup's a great result. No, it's fucking not. <laughs> like, oh, you know, you're open conference. If we can win that, that's great. No, it's fucking not. We should be top four. It's been like, if West Ham win the Europa League, I'm going to be so oh. buzzing this podcast and Dan's just going to be like, well, it's only the fucking it's bad Europa enough League. I'm settling for six, let yeah. alone not the title. I thought we were going to be in a title race this season. He'd be going, I remember when I won mine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uncle Albert <laughs> rocking in the shed during the war. During the war. Back in my day. Uh, we had Andy Cole up front. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, 
taking things back to a serious point here, genuinely, do you see you getting any points out of those next three? Uh, the only team potentially Arsenal. Um, Chelsea at home, you don't fancy what? that? <laughs> to be honest, any three of them, even Liverpool, I know obviously Liverpool are flying high and they smashed us last time, but that sort of game... Sometimes teams often just turn form up and, goes out the window. Yeah, and games. you know you've got the crowd. I know we're away, but you've got the crowd. It's a big and, occasion that game. Yeah, exactly. It? So all it takes is Ronaldo to turn up, and when we've seen what he's done to teams single-handedly, like against Spurs, Spurs yeah. were the better team, but he demolished them. Um, I've got a question for you: Is because obviously Liverpool, Man United, massive rivalries. Is Liverpool Man City bigger games now than Liverpool United? <laughs> Fucking Jamie Carragher. Yeah. <laughs> That's the question. Uh, in terms of watching, I'd rather watch Liverpool v City than like Liverpool United. Yeah. But in terms of the rivalry, I still think Liverpool United is a bigger rivalry. Just but because is the right more from the history mm-hmm. and the same as like United Arsenal. Like there was always that Roy Keane Vieira. Yeah. Wenger, but at, at v- what point does that history matter no more when? One team is performing so well, one team is really underperforming. But I mean, Liverpool City, how long has this rivalry been going? Two years? Yeah. I don't I know. I what you don't mean, think yeah. there's like a there's this bitter like, clash like they haven't created that needle between yeah, the two. Teams. And you see at the end of the games the, the players are hugging and kissing each other. There's no like getting people in headlocks and Did you see that game the other week where they drew two all? Did you see Pep Guardiola's really over the top like <laughs> slap? It was a really like, yeah, well done, well done. But he didn't like he really didn't mean yeah. it. But hypothetically, let's say City win the Champions League. Mm. United don't get any European competition. It's a very real possibility. <laughs> <laughs> then would you say City are the bigger team in Manchester? Well, you're really fishing, isn't it? <laughs> uh, he can come back again on Arsenal. <laughs> Currently just in general. I mean, not, not in depends, general. What are you measuring? It depends what you're measuring it by, yeah. right? If you're I mean, I don't get me wrong. I don't want to be one of these people that's like, yeah, we won more trophies 80 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. at the moment, City and Liverpool are much, much bigger teams than yeah. United. Yeah, 100%. Won't, won't deny. There was, there was still, because of that historical factor, the way in which United are run, we've talked about their social mm. media yeah. in the past, the way in which they run from a... Um, an economic point of view you would say Maynard are still far bigger mm. just yeah. because of the way they're marketed around the world mm. and the way Premier League teams go I mean you look at Arsenal when, when there was that United-Arsenal rivalry yeah. and both teams were dominating the top the unbeatables yeah. you look at Arsenal now they're, a, they're almost a, a, yeah, 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 almost a, a bit yeah. of a laughing stock at times Yeah, and that's where United are they're a blo- people take the piss out of them which is fair enough mm. but both teams will definitely work their way back up again um, there's you know teams just go up and down all the time. At the moment, Liverpool and City are the new United and Arsenal, mm. and that 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 happens. And but you say that, that you know at some point they will go back up. But you've seen what mismanagement can do, right? I mean, mm. mismanagement can cause very long, mm. um, barren spells. I mean, it wasn't so yeah. long ago that Newcastle were considered one of the biggest clubs in the country. Mm. You know, they were regularly knocking on the door of that since top then four, we've top been six. Twice. Exactly. I'm not suggesting that's going to happen to United, but what I mean is, is that it, bad yeah, management and bad. Um, you you know, gotta have a look, like you say, how badly the United fans. What didn't they have a demonstration on protest? Protest. The problem with football fans, they're just so fickle. Like, and obviously, it happened with the Super League. I think that was the best ever chance of getting rid of the Glazers. Mm. And obviously, they got managed to get the Liverpool game called off which is yep. almost unheard of and there was all this protest and like mm-hmm. we weren't people weren't going to be buying kits and stuff and the sponsors were like nobody's going to buy our kits mm-hmm. and then they bought Varane, Ronaldo and Sancho, Sancho. <laughs> and it was that you could hear the crickets chirping like it had all just gone dead quiet we're going to be in a title race we're back yeah. <laughs> now look at us like and now obviously the, the protests are starting again and 
we'll have a big summer and it will go dead quiet. This the is, Glazers know what they're doing. This right. isn't too dissimilar to West Ham. You know, mm. when three or four years ago, we had fans coming on the pitch, taking the corner flag up, doing some kind of symbolic protest with the corner flag protesting mm. against the owners. Mm. David Moyes comes in, everything's fine. All of a sudden, you literally don't hear a fucking thing about Golden Sullivan. Unless you go onto Twitter where there are still some rumblings, yeah. generally speaking, it's all just really positive about West Ham mm. just because of how we're performing on the pitch. Mm. And that's how quickly concerned. If United, after the... Um, after the ESL debacle, if United were in a title race, if they were at the top end of the table, there would be a shred no, no. of issues no. with the Glazers because everyone would be like, oh yeah, but they, you know, they realised their mistake and they went out and bought well and now look where mm. we are. Yep. So no, they've done that just to shut you up. Yeah. You know, they're pulling the wool over your eyes. Yeah, um, well, and then they've started up this Super League anyway, haven't they? That the Champions every League. team is part yeah. of. Yeah. Oh, what a joke that is. Yeah. Anyway, uh, let's um, pull things there. Uh, in the second <laughs> half of the show, we'll, we'll talk deeper about the West Ham Burnley game. Uh, we'll talk Man United Norwich, and then we'll uh, maybe talk about some of the other things that we going in the world of football as well. See you in a minute. Hey everybody, and welcome back to the show. And as I was really reminded during the uh, that halftime break, there were some FA Cup games this weekend. I don't know why, but I keep forgetting that there was <laughs> FA Cup this weekend. Um, but before we do that, as always, we are going to take a little break and listen to what Will's got to say this week. Hello, everybody. Uh, this week, I'm going to tell you about an article that was published by Der Spiegel, which came out after uh, they had discovered emails from Man City with fresh evidence of financial wrongdoing. So the German outlet says the Premier League investigation is focusing on three primary allegations. These are that City signed underage players in violation of the rules and hid payments to their former clubs via contracts with their agents. The second allegation is that Sheikh Mansour channeled additional funding to City by the company he used to buy the club and their Abu Dhabi-based sponsors. And finally, that former manager Roberto Mancini, now in charge of the Italian national team, was paid a chunk of his total salary via a spurious consultancy contract with Al Jazeera, which is Sheikh Mansour's club in Abu Dhabi. So, uh, Der Spiegel is claiming that the Premier League is under increased pressure to address these allegations because of the UK's uh, government decision to sanction Chelsea owner Roman Abramovich, a move that has uh, prompted many in the UK and elsewhere to question the links between clubs and their state-backed owners. So what could these new allegations actually do? So they aren't actually new allegations, but they're new evidence that could spark flames in an ongoing look at Man City's finances over the past decade. What it could do is taint City's success, so I don't think that their silverware would be taken from them, but people would just have a view that Man City might have been cheating over the past few years. So also, what's actually going to happen? So City will probably play this as they have done before with these um, allegations that have come their way. So they'll probably end up either paying a fine or they'll just not cooperate with um, the investigation that's happening and that will end up the league just closing the case and everyone returning uh, to normal, waiting probably for the next round of evidence to emerge 
and City convincing themselves that they probably haven't done anything wrong. But this is just some new allegations and some new evidence, sorry, that has emerged over the past week into City's financial dealings off the pitch and how they've been operating. But that's all from me this week, and I'll be back next week with some more news in football. Right, thank you very much for that, Dan. Um, some interesting story there. Um, I obviously, didn't do anything, but <laughs> what said? Thanks very much, Dan. Oh, maybe I'll do that bit again. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Dan. <laughs> like a wrench in my stomach. Then what's he fucking doing? Interrupting me, Thank you very much for that, Will. Um, interesting story there. Um, we will uh, obviously keep across that. If anything, what more comes out of that? But I suspect you're, you're right that, like all these things that happens whenever it's financial fair play or anything like that, it just inevitably ends up in the courts and the lawyers do their thing and it becomes a fine, which is exactly what City want because they can afford whatever that fine is going to be. Um, right, uh, we will move on. Um, let's we'll, we'll keep on Premier League first and then we'll, we'll, we'll go on to the FA Cup. Um, but before we do the Premier League, I just wanted to touch very quickly on Derby County. Um, we've taken a slight vested interest in this show with Derby County. We don't generally touch on championship stuff or, or football league stuff in general. Um but because of the nature of what's happening with Derby and the fact we've had Pete on the show once or twice who's gone through that and, and, and obviously the celebrity status that he briefly held with that, it's a, it's a sad day because Derby have now officially had their relegation confirmed. Mm. Um, Sheer, I believe you've got an, an amazing stat relating to Derby on this. Yeah, so they had a 21-point deduction. The squad was mainly made up of free agents and academy players with no certainty over the future of the club. And it, they took it to the 43rd game to get relegated. That is quite astonishing, isn't it? The penultimate game of the season. Is it penultimate or is it 46? It's 46 in the Football mm. League, isn't it? Mm. Still a hell of an achievement. Though. Yeah, three games before the end of the season. Um, it's taken. Yeah, amazing achievement. I think um, it's gone underplayed a little bit, actually, how good a job Rooney has done there under oh, yeah. some incredibly um, tough circumstances. Yeah. Um, we hope that Derby County are still a club next season. Obviously, that is still not certain at this point. We know there's preferred bidders in place. Uh, maybe at some point, uh, Will can, can give us an update on that or maybe Pete if he's across it. Um what do we think the future holds for, for Wayne Rooney? Um, obviously, he's you'd argue that his stock has risen as a result of this job. Um, there has been a little rumour flying around that maybe Burnley might come calling for him, but then if they're in the championship, would he want to go from the frying pan into the fire? Because mm. I'm not suggesting it's that not Burnley... It's exciting squad. Well, no, I'm sort of doing Burnley a disservice there, saying, suggesting that they're worse than Derby, but... You know, Burnley have got a net spend of twenty-seven million over the past. Um, yeah. This actually, this will link quite nicely into the West Ham Burnley game that we're going to talk about. But Burnley have got a net spend of something like twenty-eight million over the last five years. And outside of Chris Wood, who went for what twenty million mm. to Newcastle, I can't think of a single player that they sold for anything like big money. Because all their bigger players that they could have sold for big money are still there. Nick Pope, Tarkovsky, Ben Mir. Yeah. Has there been any big moves out that left Burnley in the last five years? I can't think of any. The only one I can think of, and that was even longer than that, was probably Danny Ings. Yeah. But that wasn't big, big money no. either, was it? Did he um, go to Liverpool from there? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's the only one that I can think of on the top of my head that was a, maybe like a bigger player. Mm. Yeah, moving on. Yeah, I suspect that was probably more like six or seven years, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I mean, you know, Rooney. I suppose Burnley might be interested in Rooney because Burnley obviously don't seem to spend a great deal of money, and they've just seen what Rooney has done Mm. with a very, very limited budget 
well, not really one at all. Actually. He didn't have a budget at all. Better than Dalby, Mark, did he? Um, so it might be that it's more Burnley pushing for this than Rooney. I mean, does does Rooney stay at Derby and try and see this through? Would there be some element of loyalty there from him? Or do you think that he'll think, I, I've given everything for this, I did everything I could, but it's time for now for me to, to move on? I wonder if he wishes he'd taken the Everton job. Well, I mean, Lampard's not exactly pulling out trees. I mean, you would. it looks like right now that Everton are likely to stay in the league just because it looks like Burnley and Watford are going to be worse. Yeah. Certainly Watford are. <laughs> I, I can't... I don't know. I mean, I couldn't really call it, but I can't see him staying at Derby in League One. No. I, I could. Yeah. Just to the fact... That it, I think it will solely depend on how they get on in League One. I think if they are hit with another transfer and mm. go and another point deduction, then maybe not. Because I think that's maybe just a bit too hard for him to bear because yeah. I said what, what? how is he going to be able to do that again in League One Yeah, I said it was bad enough in the Championship which is a hard league mm. I said one of one of the best leagues I love the Championship mm. not when Newcastle were in it but it was <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a good league it's a good competitive yeah. league but like I said because you can see the downward spiral again you have a look at Leeds and how far they fell to then come back mm. up Portsmouth Sunderland Portsmouth, yeah well, Sunderland can stay there. That's fine. <laughs> um, but like I said, a lot of big tubs clubs have gone down that route, gone down the lower leagues, and it does take time for them to come back up. And so, sadly, some of them don't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, as we alluded to earlier before the show started, Derby obviously one of the founding members of the Football League way back in 1888, I think it was, 1887, sometime around then. Um, so to see, you know, the, a club of that his, history go through this is, is quite sad for yeah. football and it shouldn't be downplayed. I mean, it's all very, very uh, easy to, to rip on them, especially if you're one of their rivals. But ultimately, this is... Uh, you know if you're let's say for example it was Millwall for example and West Ham were a regular championship club we were playing mm. Millwall if Millwall disappear yes it would be very easy for me to just go ha ah, screw you Millwall because I'm I'm mm. almost expected to hate them because I'm a West Ham fan when yeah. in reality I don't hate any football club I think that's a ridiculous thing to do mm. in my world I can want to beat them with every fire with my body a rivalry a rivalry yes mm. but would I want them to be would disappear no mm. because you know I wouldn't want that to happen to my club so no. I shouldn't want that to happen to someone else's um, and that tribalism in football sometimes gets, you know, people get locked up in hypocrisy a little bit yeah. of that. Yeah. So, yeah, we hope the Derby go carry on. Um, personally, I don't... Rooney, is, he's still very, very young. He can afford another year or two sticking yeah. with Derby if things work out for him there in terms of the club still runs and they don't get hit with point embargoes and whatever or point deductions. Um, the only risk for, for Rooney is that if things... Don't, work, don't out. work out really, and maybe they keep falling down the leagues. That will negatively impact his ability to mm. then get a job higher up the leagues. But I suppose the only thing with that is similar with maybe Lampard, because Lampard hasn't really done anything <clears throat> special. I yeah. said he, I thought he'd done a good job with Chelsea when they had the transfer embargo, and obviously he brought in a lot of the youngsters. Yeah. But I said, did he earn the Everton job? No. I wouldn't say so. Rose he didn't Chelsea. earn the Chelsea job either, really. No, exactly. He got there on name alone, didn't he? Essentially. Like I said, he did well with Derby at the time, but like you said, a lot of the time he did get a couple of players yeah. in, didn't he, from Chelsea and whatnot. So, like I said, at least Rooney, you have a look. If they didn't have that 20-point deduction, even with a transfer embargo, <coughs> their middle, the mid-table. their lower mid-table and they're safe. I guess you could look at Xavi. He was managing in Qatar, I think, yeah, and he kept, reject- quite a few years, yeah, he kept rejecting it? Barcelona. They asked him like two or three times. Mm. 
and they still kept wanting him. Yeah. So he picks his time, and now yeah. things are working out. So maybe know, he's know, improved them a lot since he's gone there. Yeah. Maybe someone like Everton will sort of be looking at Rooney for the future. Um, you know, keep an eye on him and see what. Because I was always surprised they didn't give it to Big Dunk again. Mm. At that point, didn't they? Where they gave it to Duncan Ferguson, and he done well. On a, he's probably one of those man managers. Yeah. It's interesting that actually he's still there because often you know when because he seems to have been the assistant manager for like the last two or three managers. I guess because so it, no one got the bollocks to fire him. No one, to, everyone's scared of him. Or something. Well, it might be because of his knowledge of the club and the fans seem to love him. Oh yeah, when he's, he's a legend. When he was interim he's manager, the fans were happy with it. So. Mm. So maybe they keep him there because he's almost like a symbol of the club. Yeah, yeah. maybe so. That's why um, uh, Mike Phelan's still part of the furniture. <laughs> Literally, yeah. Um, so, yeah, just sort of see tying that in. Um, Sean Dyche obviously was was sacked um, ahead of the, the game at yeah. the weekend. Um, uh, it's a strange decision, to say the least. Um, can anybody make sense of that move from Burnley? I think the only thing with it is, like I said, I think Sean Dyche done a hell of a job. Yeah, and I think, like I said, I think a lot of clubs will be looking for him next season to mm. take their club either from the Championship into the Premiership, or a Premiership t- club kind of. Lovely, it says Premiership. That's such a throwback. Oh, Sean Dash. Premiership. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think with him, I think the only reason that they probably got rid of him is that kind of stick or twist. Like maybe if we change it, we've got enough games and enough points to be able to catch Everton still. Mm. So. But the only problem I see with it is that they obviously haven't got anybody to replace him. That's, there's I no think that's the biggest thing I find yeah. weird that obviously he's been there for so long and they obviously they must have had it in their minds like oh, we might be sacking him. For me, I thought they would have come straight in like this is the guy who's going to take over yeah. and like try 100%. and keep us up. And it, it feels like they've rushed got a plan, yeah. Because they've got new owners as well, haven't they? American owners, I believe, Burnley. Yes. Uh, certainly got American investors. I don't know yeah. if they outright bought the club. Have I, they got a controlling stake? I think they've got a controlling stake because I remember, I think I messaged to you about it because they they got taken over like within days, whereas obviously Newcastle's got mm. so right. prolonged. And it's kind of like, like you said, the hypocrisy and that side of things. So maybe where new people have come in and they obviously don't understand that kind of connection with Sean Dyche, mm. with the club. And I think more on a personal level, not to give him the end of the season and then give him a proper send-off to be like, thank you for all the years you've been yeah. in the club, you've taken us from here to here. Like last game of the season, get him out in front of the fans, standing ovation sort of thing. Because they will, like I said, they know that they haven't been invested mm. properly and they know he's worked on a tight budget. So if they went down, I think they would have... It's hard to say they would have accepted it, but they kind of would have understood. Yeah. Whereas now, if they now have got rid of him and they're still going to go down, it's going to be even worse. See, surely. for me, I don't think Sean Dyche would have kept Burnley up, but I think it would have been their best chance at coming back up next year. Mm. Well, I mean, he's a known quantity to him, isn't he? Mm. Um, he you know, he knows the club inside out. He's he's worked miracles there with, as you said, a shoestring budget. Mm. Um, they do have obviously a very particular style of football which isn't particularly expressive no. and ultimately that you know he's worked within the constraints of his own team right he knows he hasn't got the players to play that sort of football so he therefore sets them up in a different way and it's maybe not the most exciting football in the world but it has garnered results because they've effectively stayed in the Premier League now for mm. what the last four or five seasons um, and I, I, like I do lot, I feel like a lot of the players would have been loyal to him next year massively so 100%. yeah um, whereas now well, we were saying so, we'll go yeah exactly I mean do you do you think that there's anything in this that the owners are almost acceptant 
accepting of the fact that they're probably going to go down. I you think don't think that's... I think it's the opposite. I think they're panicking that they're going to go down, which is why they... Yeah, I think... Because I think if they'd have stuck with Sean Dyche, it's almost like, a, yeah, we're probably going to go down, but we're still going to try and fight to the end. Mm. Whereas this, I think they've pushed the red button... Sean Dutch has fallen through the trap door and they're sort of like, we've got to get someone else in someone, to stake yeah. us up. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And like I said, but the only thing is, I don't know who's available at the minute for them uh, to take in. I don't at know. This, at this time of the season, yeah, it's so the, risky to do that. And they play such a unique style of football. It is very much like your pop. That's the nicest thing. way that you can well, say yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, you know, I mean, to your point, Dan. I mean, trying to change that style of football, it's in effect. It, this is it wouldn't be too dissimilar to what um, at Palace is that what you're going to say? No, at, oh. well, yes, at Palace, but also at United. Mm. Solskjaer have been there for three years. The, yeah. You know, the maybe not necessarily the style of football, but certainly the kind of the ethos of the club and the the um, the just the way of the club, mm. I suppose, and the, the lack of work, the lack, the disharmony. To change that in a fairly short space of time, I mean, obviously, um, Ranjik has had a lot longer at United to try and get over that, and obviously not hasn't done it really at all. But to try and do that in what six games, mm. five, you know, five six games, it's, it's a ridiculously tall order yeah. for any manager because well, any manager that comes in right now, you know, what are their honest expectations if they don't keep them in the league? Mm. Is that them out of a job? Do they get sacked <clears> in the summer if they don't <throat> keep them up? So I was thinking of the Palace man at the was it De Boer? when uh, Frank De Boer, yeah, yeah, when he went to. Palace and tried yeah. to change change it like what Patrick Vieira has done, but yeah. you know they lost their first six or seven games and then he was gone mm-hmm. because trying to and then they got Roy Hodgson in to just stabilise the ship and play that sort of boring football, but yeah. they got them it, it over did the line. What they needed it to do. Yeah, so if I feel like that's what Burnley are gonna have to do, they're gonna have to get like a Roy Hodgson type manager in to oh, just. I know, Big Sam. Yeah, exactly. He has, he has apparently put his name forward. Yeah, it's just. Every year, isn't it? Every year, Big Sam comes out of his cave to try and save a football club. <laughs> it's like somebody somebody shouts across the uh, across the uh, the, the field. Well, like the, the Domino's mountains. advert, you're late. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he kind of pokes his head out of the cave. Someone say relegation threatened club. He must, have, you know, like the Sky notifications that just yeah. comes through. Like, hello. Yeah, he's got he's got like a Superman outfit. He just does that. Over down the S stands for Big Sam. <laughs> But uh, anyway, um, I mean, the Burnley uh, players put in a good performance at the weekend against West Ham. They gave a good account of themselves. West Ham looked leggy again, although we had enough chances to win the game in the end. Um, Standing manager Mike Jackson sort of like said, you know, at the end of the day, is a good point for us. And he's right. This would have been a game that, I don't know, maybe maybe right now, actually, they probably would have targeted three points from because West Ham have been so lackluster in the Premier League. Um and I said said last yeah. week that I feel like Europe is just keeping West Ham going at the moment. Um, it's just keeping us, keeping head above the water in terms of our energy levels and motivation levels for the Premier League. But I did think that Thursday night would have been an extra push because of the way in which we played, because of how well we yeah. battered Leon on, on Thursday. I thought maybe that would just just give us a little bit of extra fire under us to, to finish the mm. season strong. But, you know, we did okay. It wasn't a great game of football. It never is against Burnley. You often have to try and grind it out. But, yeah. I mean, Nick Pope, man possessed. Whatever happens, he will be in the Premier League next year, I feel. Yeah, I think so. I think someone a bit like Ramsdale yeah. being snapped up by Arsenal. Yeah. I think that would be similar. I mean, there's, to be fair, I mean, there's, you know, we've, we talked about Burnley's squad and how you know they're working within the constraints of their squad. Individually, they've actually got some pretty talented players. Mm. You know, um, Corne won't be in the championship. Corne's not going to be in the championship. You've got Nick Pope. You've got Ben Mee, Tarkowski. They're definitely going to be in the Premier League mm. next year. Um, I would make a case for saying, um, is it Dwight McNeil? Yeah, he looks like a bit of a prospect. I think he could do a job at a Premier League team. Of course. 
I can't see Veghor staying in the championship. No. Um, after he's uh, come, come across, from the Bundesliga, isn't it? Um, so, and then, the, but the rest of them would all do a really good job in the championship. People like Jay Rodriguez, I think, would be perfect for the championship. Mm, yeah. I don't see any Premier League team taking a gamble on him. I think he would stay at Burnley. Maybe Dwight McNeil could go to. Um, do you mean Dwight Gale? Dwight Gale, sorry. I do you mean Dwight Gale? <laughs> but yeah, like I said he's the perfect sort of player for mm. that team. But same again, are they going to spend money? Mm. Like how much money are they going to spend? And like I said, we don't know if they the contract clauses in there. Is there a relegation clause for a lot of these guys? Well, Tarkowski will be on big money. He's going to leave because his contract runs out in the yeah. summer anyway. Um, I imagine they'll sell the likes of like Cornet and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, even if they don't get, get huge money. money from them, they'll they'll get enough to cover any debts that they've got to pay. I, mean, in the I think they only bought them for like fifteen million. Surely they'll get more than fifteen million for them. Yeah, you'd be surprised if they don't get twenty four or something. Mm. Or even even just recoup the same again, even if you mm. just have to take them, mm. take the uh, take a hit, by a bit of a hit on it. Not sure. Like fifteen mil should get you a good, steady championship. Yeah, player shouldn't yeah. it? Really? And I think Cornet has done enough this season to prove that he can cut it in the Premier League. I mean, his penalty in this game was <laughs> less than uh, less than shit, wasn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, so, but he has scored some important goals. So he scored some very good goals for yeah. them as well. So I can see a, a, a club. Yeah. I can see yeah. someone maybe like Leeds taking maybe a bit of a gamble yeah. on him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he would be a good fit there. Palace. Yeah. Um, so, but obviously the, the game was marred a little bit with a, a really serious injury to yeah. to Westwood. Um, not something you want to see. We've seen a few of those this season where we saw the is it Curtis Jones yeah. at Liverpool, Liverpool against one, Leeds. Yeah. Um, We've seen this one here as well. You know, I think there has been another one. I'm trying to remember who it was. Knee. Oh, yeah, you, of course, with your knee. Yes, made big news. Um, so, yeah, we wish him the best, but it did look horrible. You never want to see that sort of thing. You know, you see the reaction of the players. You know, Vlasic in particular was um, really distraught. Um, you know, if rivalries go out the window, don't they, with those sorts of things. Oh, yeah. um, you know, People you, become human again. Exactly. It doesn't, you know, you, you see the human side of players yeah. in those situations. So, yeah, we do hope that he recovers. Um, but Burnley carried on. They got the goal. They got themselves in front, a typically scrappy Burnley goal. Um, even West Ham's goal was actually a bit of a Burnley goal, really. Mm. Um, it was a it was off his chest, I think, in the end. I don't even think he knew much about it. <laughs> no. Um, so, I mean, for, from West Ham's point of view, um, obviously Champions League is... I. And unless a miracle happens, I don't think we're getting anywhere near that. Europa as in top four. As in top yeah. four, yeah. Europa at best, but I still think we're relying on other teams slipping up. Yeah. And I think, I've said this before, I still think West Ham are going to slip up more than the teams are going to slip up above us. Even if United and Spurs and Arsenal slip up two or three more times, I think West Ham will slip up three or four more times. Mm-hmm. Um, but, <sighs> let me put it, I mean, obviously I've got my own feelings on this, but if, if West Ham get to so obviously we're in the semi-final let's just say we don't go any further let's say we we, we we lose to Frankfurt in the semi-final and we come seventh in the league is that a successful season for West Ham do you think yeah I think so I, I think or do you think it will be a letdown given the position we were in not so long ago do, do you think it would be almost better if you were a bit like Leicester where you're sat like mid-table and in the semi-final do you think it's almost a bit of a pain in the ass that you're in that top four, top six race while also in a semi-final? Because of the focus of that. Yeah, yeah, you're like, which one do you sort of... Because con- you can't concentrate on both. I mean, I think... Especially with a... You know, when you're Man City and you've got three first teams, you can do that. Yeah. <laughs> but when you're like West Ham... And we've seen that Moyes has played the same players. Yeah, I mean, that can. really pisses me off. So I, I've had some arguments with people like, you know, how you know how I do on social media. Um, people basically sort of saying that, you know, that we don't have the squad depth to be able to rotate, which is why he's picking the same team. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but that's just not true. You know, 
ultimately, this is a squad that David Moyes has has at his disposal. I totally agree that the players that are on the bench, people like Noble, Yarmolenko, Masuaku, these are not players that are going to be in your best 11. 100% they're not. But I'm not suggesting for one minute that he should be making six changes every single Premier League game and bringing all of those players in. But you can be smart about it. Change one or two here and there for specific games. You know, if you've got a game on a Saturday and a game on a Thursday and then a game on a Sunday for four or five weeks... At some point, one or two of your players are going to need a rest, especially mm. like people like Rice and Suchek, mm. who put in so much into into their performances. Just give them one one game off. Like you know, against a team like Burnley, play Yarmolenko over Jared Bowen. Yeah, yeah. play Noble over yeah. uh, over Rice. Just give him a breather. I mean, ultimately, mm. you know, if you look at the results, it's easy. Obviously, it's easy to say in hindsight, but the results have been pretty poor. Would yeah. they have been any worse if we'd have brought in mm. one or two of those other players? I mean, Noble will always give you 100%. Yes, he's not the player he used to be, but he'll always give you everything for the club. Yeah. Malenko, despite everything that's going on in his life, has scored some really fucking big goals for West Ham yeah. in recent times, and he's barely had a sniff since those two games. And I would have, I was quite disappointed that we've not given him a bit of an extra run. Um, Masawaku can do a job as long as you don't put him left back, because he <laughs> just can't defend as long as he's nowhere near the defence. <laughs> you know, he can, he can still come up with a moment of magic every now and then. Um... You know, we've still got younger players who still don't get a look in. Harrison Ashby, uh, Ockerflex don't even get a look in. So it is, it's really frustrating that he just continues to pick the same team week after week after week. And I think it's, it starts to become, um, like if you're the other players looking at that, you think, well, and what have I got to do to get into this team? These players are visibly fucked, and yet you still choose to play, play them over me. Mm. And he makes the same sum. He might as well go to a game with a squad of 14. I've said this before. He might as well just mm. pick 14 and go with it because those other players are literally there for a bit of a run around in the warm up and put their feet up because they know they're not coming on. Mm. Um, and I think he's, it's the only thing that Moyes has got wrong this year. I'm not suggesting for one minute that it, we, if he was to do that throughout the season, that we would suddenly be top four. Yeah. But I think that the energy levels would be visibly better right now. Um, but, it's clear that we're focusing on Europa League. You look at the performances mm, in the yeah. Europa League, it's clear that the players are whether consciously or not obviously way more up for those European nights and understandably so because yeah. it's massive for the club it's our first semi-final in 46 years uh, in a European night kind of gutted that we're not playing Barcelona mm. um, despite the fact that on paper anyway it would be a harder game than Frankfurt despite the result that Frankfurt got but you know to play our first ever European semi-final for 46 years and then play Barcelona have an away day for our fans yeah. at, the, at the new camp um, and play Barcelona something special isn't it it is and I'm not suggesting West Ham are going to get relegated in the same way that Pompey have over over their time, but Pompey looked back on that game against AC Milan yeah. with such at Fratton Park, yeah. Park with such amazing memories when they have some of those players like Ronaldinho and all that coming to Fratton Park. It'll be the same for West Ham. Mm. You know, who knows? I've said this before. We could go on a downward spiral from next year. Things could go completely wrong for us, and we could be nowhere near Europe for the next few years. Mm. But you would have, have those, those memories. Moments. You'd have those memories and moments to call upon and say, "Yeah, I was, I was there when we, you know, we played Barcelona at London Stadium yeah. and, and you know had this amazing mm. experience, this amazing night." So yeah, it is frustrating. Um, but put to you both, would you rather be say West Ham are like in that top six race as well as a semi final, or where Leicester are in tenth and in that semi final? Where West Ham are. Yeah, I think you'd have to you say. Could, you know the way West Ham are. I feel I could almost see them slipping out, and then if they fuck the final, you've got nothing. Whereas Leicester, hundred percent concentrating on Europe. But I think West Ham are doing that anyway. 
right well, now. Well, yeah, I know, but that's what I'm saying. You know, you could start to fall. Obviously, your last few games, you've started. I think you're almost lucky that everyone else has been just as shit. <laughs> um, but then if you get to that final and you lose to Leipzig or whatever, you're not getting European football that way. You've fallen into eighth. You're not getting European football that way. Whereas Leicester, I feel like their league season's done. You know, they they swapped all their players around and... Obviously, yeah. it's good for Nuka Nafens. That's yeah. still a great win. Um, <laughs> and they're obviously, they're, every game is a cup final to them. Like They've mm. got to get to that next stage and they can get Europa League football next year while finishing 10th or 12th. Mm. So I, know, just, I know what you mean. I'd, I'd, in theory, I would say West Ham are in a much better position. Yeah. Obviously, they're in those two competitions still, but in my head, I'm like, they could end up getting fuck all and yeah. Leicester could almost yeah. frog leave them. The only reason I... I'm probably saying West Ham. It's just the fact that I think there's a bit more, might be a bit of stubbornness, but it's a bit more pride as well that I feel with it. Like where David Moyes does want, obviously, best of both worlds. Mm. He wants to be able to qualify for a European competition on his own merit, plus do well in the cup competition itself. Yeah. Whereas, like you say, you have a look at Leicester. I'm not saying that they're not proud of their team or whatnot, but it's just the fact it's just like, They've obviously done as much as they can. They've won an FA Cup. They've won mm. a Premier League. And they're in the semi-final of the European competition mm. now. I said, I think they've seen how lucky they are from almost being relegated to having all of those things. Yeah. Having like a mid-table finish and then doing well in Europe, like that's okay for them. Mm. Whereas like I said, with West Ham, where they've got to this point where they're like, oh my God, we're close to getting into a major European final. But we could also still make sure we get another one like another season yeah. of that sort of yeah. thing for next year yeah. as well. Get it under my belt. Me, me as a club, I'd love to see my club fighting for both. Yeah. Then maybe conceding one and pushing for the mm. other. Yeah. yeah fair what do you mean? Um, I mean, there are potentially other implications in terms to what, if we don't get Europe at all next year, if you, if you, mm-hmm. as you say, if we fall flat on both fronts, what does that do for any potential recruitment in the summer in terms yeah. of the players that we can attract? I guess, sorry, I keep interrupting. As a fan as well, when you're going to watch like a Premier League game, you know that, your team has almost given up on the league yeah. and they're focusing on the Euro European League of whatever European Cup. Um, you know that, you know, say say United, you want to go there and watch Ronaldo and yeah. Pogba and but they're all being rested for Europe. So you're watching the second fiddle sort of players. So yeah. I know what you mean. Um so it's gonna be interesting. I mean it's for me anyway, it's quite clear that West Ham either consciously or not are focusing on Europa at the moment it's paying off because you know we've had a couple of amazing nights obviously the home leg against Seville and the away leg against Leon. I thought I did genuinely think we'd overcome Leon. Yeah. I didn't think we'd be as dominant and do it in the way that we did it was an amazing amazing night mm. um, Frankfurt is not going to be easy but you know they're beatable 100% yeah. they're beatable um, and then I mean a potential West Ham Rangers final oh. would be something quite epic. amazing epic. Um the uh, I think you would argue, you would argue that that is going to raise the profile of the Europa League quite substantially, not because of the two teams in there, but mm. just because of the fact it's this England versus Scotland mm. oh, yeah. rivalry. That would be fantastic. Yeah. Um, the Rangers yeah. fans will be bang up for that. The West Ham fans will be so up for that. Yeah. It's going to be an amazing night. And if West Ham, either of those two clubs actually can win the Europa League, not only does it mean Champions League football, but it even means the Super Cup. Mm. It's, just a, it's another revenue. It's another yeah. added revenue stream to the club. Absolutely. So, so you don't get yeah. a Super Cup in the Europa Conference League. Nah. Well, so what do they, who do they get to play then? 
The tin pot. <laughs> <laughs> so, right, let's move on. Um, let's. Uh, we're going to touch on Man United Norwich quickly because uh, I know we're, we're, we're running on a little bit here. Um, so, Man United Norwich, uh, we touched on it earlier, not a particularly good performance by United, but was it one of those days where just three points was more important? Um, yeah, especially the run we've been on. It's nice <laughs> to actually win a game. Did, I mean, I, I watched the highlights of the game. I uh, was I found myself a little bit frustrated at the commentators, I have to say. So Ronaldo's hat-trick, um, obviously the hat-trick alone is obviously an astounding stat. We've all yeah. seen the stat about that he's now scored the same number of hat-tricks before the age of 30 as he has after 30. I think that's the stat mm-hmm. at club level, which is an amazing uh, statistic. Um but they were waxing lyrical about that free kick. I mean, they were using every superlative I could think of. <laughs> and from the angle that you first see it at, it genuinely looks like an amazing strike. And the keeper, you can see, gets a hand to it, but maybe you think he's just, he's in it so hard, it's so much in the corner, yeah. he can't get to it. And then you sure see it from behind him. <laughs> I just don't think it was a particularly good free kick. I, you know, he, he struck it away, it was moving a bit, but that to me is way more of a goalie mistake than it is a good free kick. Took the back of the ball off. I did not. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I mean, I just, I, I, it just annoyed me the commentators the way they were going on about it. They, I think it was clever because he hit it straight at Maguire and whoever else was in the wall. So he was aiming ducked. at Maguire. Yeah. It's <laughs> the, only way, it's the only way I'm getting the captaincy yeah. is if I kill the man. But they ducked just as he smashed at them. So I think the keeper saw it late. Um, but yeah, I mean, you look at it and it goes sort of almost straight through his hand. But he did it with a lot of power. Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, Norwich, are the, you know, there's still signs of fighting them, but you can't give give away goals the way they did the first goal. The yeah. way they give that away was just. But did you did you watch the highlights for it? Yeah. Like, you wouldn't have thought Tellez was the defender, would you? No. Every time Jesus there was a Christ. massive hole that they scored both their goals. He, he in. basically was harnessing his inner Danny Alves. Yeah, wasn't and he? I watched him, and he's like just jogging back as they're running through, and I'm like, <laughs> that's your job. Yeah, and in a way, actually, he was there's been a few occasions this year it's very easy to, to just wind up the two centre-backs especially mm. Maguire at United but often they are left out to dry hung mm. out to dry by their full-backs mm. or the two in front of them um, and Tellers yeah I mean that was it the, it was Pookie's goal wasn't it at no point did he recognise that danger no. and he made no effort to get back in position no. by the time he did it was too late do you, but do you think that's just a kind of modern day full-back it's not as much defensive as it is going forward that's great when you haven't got Harry Maguire. Because <laughs> you have a look at Trent, like his position is more or less mm. halfway line and up. But and obviously, they, they can get away with it because they've got, I mean, they've got Van like Dijk, Fabinho that in. Like we just don't have any. I mean, we didn't even play a CDM. We played Pogba, Lingard, and Bruno. Yeah, which are where was, very attacking. Where was McFred? They weren't even on the bench. I was so going to say they were right? injured. But Matic was on the bench. Yeah, so he's the, he's the first one that's come out and said he's leaving in the summer. Yeah, which, um, so we've definitely got no CDM now. No. Um, Juan Mata, is he out of contract? He's got out of contract. He said he's leaving. Lingard's obviously leaving. Pogba's leaving. Cavani's leaving. We're not having a squad. Um, but then that obviously gives... Henderson wants to leave. Yeah. Goalkeeper. Obviously gives whoever wants to come in a bit of a mm. buffer then to bring in five, six players mm. already to replace them. I mean, it's needed, isn't it? The main United squad is a massive shake-up. You know, five or six can't. new players coming in the squad with new attitudes. I just can't just buy five or six players, though. You can't? Not for... Really? Well, we can't spend three, four hundred million. And United are always like, right, who's going to sell the most sell the most shirts? Mm. We'll be looking... I guarantee we'll be linked with, like, Harry Kane, Declan Rice, 150 million, 100 million. We're not going to buy six players for 100 million. No. We won't be looking at any, like, 30, 40 million pound players. Yeah, I know what you mean. 
um, there's already there's already been rumours about the amount of money that United are going to spend in the summer, and it's not, you know, sometimes these rumours are, you know, um, just rubbish. Yeah. But often there are, there is a case of there's no smoke without fire, mm-hmm. and it's alluding to the fact that United are just willing just to throw anything at it mm. to get people like Harry, Harry Kane, to get people like Declan Rice. When you would argue for that sort of money, um, you could go and buy other players for a fraction of that cost who could do just as good a job for mm. in that United squad. I'm not Rather suggesting get. that Harry Kane and Declan Rice won't mm. improve United because they yeah. will. Mm. But when you're spending 150 million on anybody, that's potentially three class players you could get for that yeah. money. Well, Frank Kessie, AC Milan, is going to Barcelona for free. Why were we not involved yeah. in that, mm. trying to snap him up? Um, Basuma, I mean, I'm pretty sure he said he's not signing another contract. Yeah. Probably 30 million there. I think he's got like a year left on it yeah. at the end of this yeah. season. Why didn't you go Why didn't you go after uh, Thiago yeah. or Coutinho when they became available? Tielemans has said he's not going to sign another Tielemans, contract. perfect, yeah. perfect signing for United. But is that because there's no definite manager for next year and it's a bit of a limbo? Mm. I know Ten Hag has obviously been very much like yeah. in his own, same as Pochettino, but where there's no cemented manager for next year, no style of play recognised of what's going to be. The... Like, is that why there's not those kind of pre-contracts? Exactly, but that's another thing. Like, why get an interim with no idea who you're going to bring in afterwards? Like, why are we still not got a manager in mind? Because right now we should be looking at who we're going to buy in the summer. Not get to the summer and be like, right, let's draw up a plan of who we're going to buy and then wait till bloody September and be like, right, it's, jam- it's tra- bloody transfer deadline day. Let's yeah. try and get six players in. Because yeah. that's what we do with Sancho. We spent the entire window like, oh, yeah, are we going to get him? Are we not going to get him? And then we didn't get him because we didn't spend want to spend that money. And then we wait six months and... Still doing the same yeah, And then we pay exactly the same amount. Yeah. We did it with Bruno as well. We were fannying about and then... We should, we, that's what, just what United do they they seem to like argue over pennies and then go and spend that money anyway yeah I mean we spoke last week about Ten Hag it's still not signed sealed and delivered yet mm. um, are you worried about this hold up well from what I've seen he's almost demanded that he's in charge of certain aspects Everything, yeah. which I think is good because mm. I don't I feel like I mean, we've seen it with certain... Like Sancho, Ollie got him and then just put him on the bench and never mm. played him, yeah. which makes me think he didn't want him. Same with Donny van der Beek. Oh, Donny van der Beek, for sure. Was not wanted. Well, Donny van der Beek will be praying that Ten Hag mm. comes in right oh, here. Yeah. Because that gives him a future at United if he does. Um, Ranić wanted Lingard sold in the January transfer window and the board rejected it. Um, Mourinho wanted Martial sold. The board rejected it. So I think the board have a massive hand in who gets bought and who yeah. gets sold and half the players the managers don't want and we've yeah. seen what's happened with the likes of Harry Maguire 80 million wan 50 million I mean look at wan now he's probably worth like 15 million let alone yeah. 50 mm. Frank he's a uh, you know he was we all raised eyebrows anyway when you pay 50 million for mm. him but um, he's never really fulfilled the potential no um, so I think a manager coming in that says you know and the board say oh we're thinking of signing Declan Rice and he goes no I want uh, Basuma that's what's needed. Like we need proper scouting done, mm. and we need to be buying players that the manager actually wants. I mean, obviously, not every single one of them is going to turn out to be a success. But... No, of course not. Uh, but it's, it, you need to have a structured plan in place rather than just buying the name. Mm. Yeah. The, than... the youngsters, uh, Diallo and Palestri, I can. I don't see them ever being United first teamers. And we spent thirty odd million on that Diallo, and he paid like four times for Atalanta. 
<laughs> yeah, it's been a bit of a shit show, really. I mean, it's there's been still these conversations flying around about Ronaldo and whether he's the problem and stuff. And I do, I do still genuinely believe that he's created more issues for the United tactically and playing than he's solved, if that makes sense. Obviously, he's going to score goals because that's the player he is. But just mm. because he scores goals doesn't necessarily mean he's, you know, he works in a in a in a team. That being said, there are to solely blame Ronaldo is very short sighted. There are clearly so many other problems at that club. Yeah. The the rest of the playing squad is not up to it. The tactics are wrong. The players don't want to work hard enough, and. I don't think it's fair to blame not just Harry Ronaldo but also mm. Maguire. You know, mm. Maguire gets so much stick, but you would, you, you know, if you didn't really understand what was going on at Man United, you'd read the papers and think that it's just purely Maguire because he's shit, yeah. and that's the only reason. <laughs> but you know what I mean? There's so much more going oh, on yeah, at United I mean, than the just that squad. Like even players like Rashford. You know, whenever I see him play, it's just like. He was one of my favourite players because I thought he was unreal and I thought he was going to go right to the top. And I look at him playing now and I'm just like, he just doesn't even look like a footballer. Do you think he'll get sold? <sighs> it almost feels like he needs a fresh challenge. Yeah, I just, part of me feels like that's another one that the, the sort of board would be like, no, because he's, you know... he's See him and Lingard back at Newcastle? Yeah, Great. but I feel like because he's this MBE and he's all over the charity yeah. stuff, I he's feel like face, the club... Isn't he? He's a good like PR story, isn't he? Him. Yeah. Like, look at this guy that we've got. And obviously, he's in the adverts lads, and stuff on yeah. TV now. Yeah. I feel like, for that reason, more than the footballing reason, they'd give him, like, a pay rise. Yeah. yeah. I'll have to see that. Indeed. Um, yeah. Well, uh, we'll obviously keep it, keep across that. I mean, it's going to be um, a bit like Newcastle and for West Ham. Such a key summer for United. Mm. You know, if Ten Hag does turn up... Um, you know, it, it sounds very much like that he's only going to come if he gets those assurances. And if he doesn't get those assurances, what on earth does that say to the fans about what the next yeah, manager exactly. coming in? Because does that mean that any manager coming in, they therefore know from that point that manager either doesn't care or won't or just won't have control mm. either way? Mm. And that means that you know, fans will, will they will know deep down that there's no plan involved and that ultimately that manager does not have a say or any control over what players he gets. I think given. that's why they want Pochettino I think the fans want Ten Hag I think the board want Pochettino because he's been at Spurs and he's you know Levy sort of worked him like a puppet and said oh you know you've only got this amount to spend and I think that's why they want Pochettino because they know that they can sort of say do you think they also want Pochettino because they think it's a greater chance of getting Harry Kane Mm, yeah I mean exactly that yeah and also it's a bigger name yeah and which is in the Premier League before been in the Premier League he's managed he's never really he done Actually, yeah, he's never won anything. No. I think he's won the French Cup with PSG. the Champions but... League final, though, isn't he? Yeah, he did with um, Spurs, but... And you know, but, but whenever, but, but whenever got, you... He was Pochettino versus Ten Hag yeah. at that point, and you think, that who are the game. bigger underdogs? I mean, Ajax was so close. Yeah. Yeah, it's a... Um, it's a... It'll be interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Let's move on and let's talk about the FA Cup to round things up. Um, Liverpool-Man City, another classic game between the two of them. Mm. Um, Man City changed a lot of their team round but still didn't detract from their level of excitement. Um, Probably not a game that the Man City goalkeepers can look back on with any fond memories. Um, (laughs) I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because there was almost the exact same situation with Edison where he may got away with it and got the ball out quick Shows enough. Shows the difference, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. 100%. The, the, obviously, the, every player in that team has coached the exact same way and told mm. to play the same way, but one keeper had the ability to do it, one keeper didn't, um, which obviously is why Joe Hart's no longer at the club. Mm. Um, but yeah, Liverpool march on. Um, quadruple is still on. <laughs> um, 
I mean, Dan, I mean, will you stop coming on the podcast Liverpool win the quadruple? Oh, I'll, be cr- I'll cry. <laughs> It's so annoying. I like, think if they win the quadruple, I think you've got to put a Liverpool shirt on. Oh, no. I think that's... The two best teams in the world. That's going to be the forfeit I'm going to make them do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to win the next quiz. The two best teams in the world are United's two biggest rivals. It's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's... Um, obviously, it's going to be a Liverpool-Chelsea um, final. Still win like a fucking treble, can't they? No, they can't because they've gone out of the FA Cup. Uh, correct. Mm. Yeah. Double, so I can do the double. So that's that ticked off. So <laughs> um, Liverpool to lose. Yeah. I mean, do do we? Uh, how do we think the final is going to play? Because obviously, City, uh, Chelsea dispatched Palace um, at the weekend as well. Uh, it leads us a Liverpool Chelsea final. Um, you know, we we often see, um, as we said before, these form guides being thrown out the window for these one-off games, big occasion. Chelsea have got a good record in finals under mm, Tuchel. Yeah. Um, so. I think on form you would everyone would say Liverpool based on form, but I bet you can't write off Chelsea because their record in finals is outstanding. Yeah. Tuchel always seems to be able to get the team up for it. He normally gets his tactics right as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and despite the fact that Chelsea have been hit and miss, they're still grinding wins out. You know, every now and then there'll be a surprise result, but they're still grinding those wins out. They're still yeah. doing what they need to do. When you look at the Champions League final. I think everybody would have put their money on City beating Chelsea. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, and, you know, Chelsea against Real Madrid in the week. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were absolutely outstanding against Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. I genuinely was, I think I was a Chelsea fan for... Yeah, for I night. felt sorry for them. Um, I was kicking every ball for Chelsea that mm-hmm. night. And when, when um, Pulisic had those two late chances, I genuinely was quite gutted for him because yeah. I thought if one of them had just gone in, um, yeah. you know, they played so well, they made one mistake, which was giving Benzema that one little bit of free space and he, and he punished them. So mm. um, I do still think Liverpool are going to win. Yeah. Um, but... I'm not definitely not writing off Chelsea at all. Yeah, I mean Salah's not in form at the moment. Yeah, I'm in a bit of a barren spell, isn't he? Mm. So is this a drought for Salah? Is this for his standards? It is, but when you have a look at what Liverpool have got, well, Jota four hundred grand a week. <laughs> they've got Jota, Mane, Firmino still, Diaz, then Diaz mm. and whatnot. So like I said there's probably a bit of pressure there for him to try and perform because there's four or five players still behind him. They st- They've still got the legend as Divock Origi as well. So <laughs> they've still got players there who will perform. Is he undroppable though? Who saw that? I would start him every day of the week. Yeah. Just to the fact that you have a look at what he has done. Mm. In big games, he has turned up most of the time. Yeah. And I think you have a look at what we. What were they? They played in the League Cup final, didn't they? The Carabao Cup, mm. Liverpool, Chelsea. Yeah, my money will be on Liverpool. That went to penalties, didn't it? Yeah, and Kepa Blast. Kepa back on. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Is he going to atone for his mistakes? What will he do? Because Chelsea played Mendy in the cup game, so I assume they'll go with Mendy in the final. Yeah. That must be Kepa out the door for next year, then, if that's Mm. the case, because he's not going to be playing any sport. No, he's not going to get ahead of Mendy, is he? No. So, yeah. Um, right, okay. Uh, that brings us to um, almost to the end of the show. We're going to finish off then with Dan's stat, which we will whiz through as quick as we can because we've been talking a lot tonight. <laughs> Dan the stat, man! So Brighton captain Lewis Dunk made his 166th Premier League appearance with all of them as stats. Only six outfield, I repeat, outfield... <laughs> Players have better 100% starting numbers in the history of the competition. The only one I can think of the time is Brad Friedel. Is, a, is he an outfield player? Oh my again, god, he? he's doing my head in. <laughs> <laughs> is he an outfield player, is he Brad Friedel? 
It's been a long day, right? <laughs> See what I get? Doesn't listen. <laughs> You've made a point to say, I repeat, oh, outfield players. Um, for the first outfield player in the mention, I reckon I'm going to go with Gareth Barry. No. Milner? No. Ooh. I suppose actually to be fair Nine gigs. No, I, I actually don't think it's going to be people who've got that many appearances because surely at some point in the 400 games they would have had a sub appearance well the one with the most has 426 alright just go for that then Jesus Christ Four, how, are, we, are we talking recent he's now um, it's one two Lampard three are now managers Lampard Gerrard nope no but they are English three of them now managers Jesus Christ, it's not Steve Bruce, is it? Nah, I'm good managers. Rooney? No. You say that these were English players yeah. that are now managers? Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure... Well, one of them's definitely managed. I don't know if he's currently managing a club. But Gary Neville? Them. No. Phil it's Neville? Gary Neville's not managing a club. But he has done. He has done, yeah. Uh, no, no, neither of them. It's one very obvious one. I said he's English, <laughs> managing a club. <laughs> Don't say it. Oh, I'm trying to work my way down. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm struggling here. Really struggling. Give a comment. You have to give us some clues here. I was going to be all night. I'm literally just giving you a massive one. He's English. He's managing a club. Is he managing in the Premier League? Scott Parker. National team. He's English. So, Gareth Southgate? Yeah. <laughs> really? He has the most with 426. He basically spoofed that to us, didn't yeah. he? <laughs> He's an outfield player. Yeah, I was expecting like Shea Gibbons. <laughs> David, David James. <laughs> um, so, um, former Newcastle centre-back. I, th- I want to say he was Italian, but I'm not sure. The name looks very Italian. Not Colicini. Yep. He's Argentinian. Argentinian, is he? Yeah. What a player. Uh, it was the Fabricio for me. I was like, that's not British One uh, was at United, pretty sure it was at Liverpool. It's currently the Reading manager. Uh, was it Liverpool as well? I can't actually remember who the. Uh, oh, I've got a child crying. <laughs> um, no, I'm not sure. You might have to. Uh, yeah. Might have to wrap this up if one of my kids starts going nuts. I'll just but... name him now. Go on in, name him out. Yeah. Uh, Paul Ince. Okay. Paul Ince. Is he the Reading manager? Mm. I didn't know he was the Reading manager. Actually. Yeah. Uh, Des Walker. Okay. Yeah. Gary Pallister. Yeah. Gary Pallister. And the one I was like, he's a manager, but I don't know if he still is a manager. Stuart Pearce. Stuart. Ah, so he's an assistant. He's yeah. at West Ham, isn't he? Yeah. Stuart. Well, there you go. Okay. Well, now I have sufficiently embarrassed myself by continuing to name goalkeepers when I was told I multiple can't times. I believe you did that after I <laughs> like, emphasized it twice. Even Shearer looked at me and he went, outfield player. <laughs> I was like, are you doing that for a joke? Yeah, I genuinely thought you were. Oh, dear. Okay, yeah. Fine, 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 fine. <laughs> right. Um, well, yeah, hopefully, Friday will be back next week so we can uh, get cracking with the quiz again. Um, but, uh, Shira, thank you very much for uh, for coming always in short pleasure. notice. Yeah. Well, pleasure. Um, always good to talk uh, deeper about Newcastle and stuff. And we always find that the show's gone a lot longer with you here. So we do mm. love it. We have a good old chip lag, don't we? Um, so, yeah, thank you very much for listening, everyone. And we will see you all again next week. Bye. Bye.